Hello, hello, hello. This is Jesse the Body along with my tag team partner Johnny Bog Podcast. Sorry, on the latest episode of the Turnbuckle Post. How are you doing this evening, John? I'm um, pretty good, Jesse. How are you doing? Oh, not too bad. Tired. I've been working a lot the last couple of weeks, but yeah, I, hear I got that. a vacation coming next week, so it'll be worth it. Yeah, that'll be good for you. Um, yeah, it's we're getting ready to get into the busy season with our work, so it's going to be a lot, lot going on. So, uh, great episode of NXT tonight. Um, we won't get too real deep into it, but um, I, I thought it was really good. Um, oh, and I, you know, hopefully, based off of what we were reading last week, hopefully they just stay on Tuesdays after a while. Um, but we'll see what happens with that. Um, I was really surprised that the um, NXT Championship match was first. I thought it would be last, but honestly, I'm glad the ladies did go last because I thought it was a great cage match. It was one of the better better cage matches in recent memory. Yeah, and Rhea Ripley continues to show that she's the most dominant force in the women's division that's not Nia Jax or somebody that's big of that physical stature, but she can move and she can she can put on an entertaining match with, uh, with just about anybody. <laughs> Yeah, she's got that. She's got that it factor. I mean, like I like I said, I think I've always said I think she's the next big thing, and I truly believe that. I think it's yeah. taking a little longer to get there, but I believe that they're not going to have any choice because the cream always rises to the to the top, and right. it's definitely her. Yeah, and I, I think eventually. I mean, like you said, and I think that the other thing is that you can't deny something for for too long, and, and you know people lose enthusiasm for it. You look at. Braun Strowman when he was really on fire and they gave him the money in the bank briefcase and then they made him look like a chump. They killed his momentum with that and they've been struggling to try to find it, refoot him ever since. So that's not an exact app comparison because I think Ray Ripley's a lot more gifted in the ring, um, more professional, more talent, more naturally talented professional wrestler. And that's no disrespect to Braun. It's just everybody's different, but I, I don't want to see her booked like that as my as my roundabout way of getting to that. God, yeah, I, yeah. I told I totally understand where you're coming from on that. Yeah, and I don't want to see. I mean, Rhea was booked perfectly. Even even losing the NXT title, she didn't look bad. You know, Charlotte Flair just looked like she was the more canny veteran presence in that match at WrestleMania, and that was the story of the match. That was the story of the feud was this brash newcomer challenging the queen. And they, they booked it really well. Even the match itself kind of reflected that the booking of the feud. So it was really, there was a good synchronicity between the two. Well, I think, I think they're leading to, and this is just my opinion, but I think they're leading to uh, Ripley eventually having a one-on-one match with Io Shirai and reclaiming the, NXT wins title because they only met in that triple threat match. Yeah, so I could see them have building up to a one on one match between the two, possibly at the next takeover, which is just taking place October the fourth. Oh, okay. I thought I thought they weren't having another one until January. That's cool. That's what I thought too. But yeah. apparently, apparently they're going to have another one on the fourth of October. Oh, I wonder if they're going to do War Games this year or not. I haven't heard anything yet, but yeah, I haven't either. That's always fun. that's always yeah. a fun event. Yeah, it's a good throwback. I, I love when they. And that's something I'll talk about later with uh, AEWs. I, I love when they have a reverence for the past, but then they try to innovate and be the next thing in pro wrestling. 
So it's cool when they can go back and do things like honor Dusty Rhodes or in Dusty Rhodes creation and war games. But it's also cool that you have all these brand new talent that are getting a chance to participate and, and bring back something that was classic. And I think that's very, that's a nice way to do that in my opinion. Yeah. So we got, we got a little bit on the show tonight. We're going to, we're going to review all out. Uh, I watched the whole thing and uh, I've got a lot of different thoughts about it, but first we're going to talk about a couple of uh, bigger news pieces. There's been a lot going on since we last recorded. We do apologize for our delay from the Randy Orton episode. Uh, that'll be coming out tomorrow. Um, so tonight we're going to talk about uh, the new third party ruling in the WWE, the release of the authors of pain, and then we'll get into that all out review. So, Jesse, why don't you uh, give a your best concise explanation of the third party ruling from Vince McMahon? Now, it's kind of um. Well, I know that he had given given out an edict, basically telling the superstars, you know, that they can't. I guess there's some social media platforms, Twitch and uh, Cameo, and some YouTube that he's cracking down on he doesn't want them to promote themselves outside of wwe and is threatening you know termination of their contracts <laughs> if they continue to do so uh i guess not everybody in the company is on board with that most likely his daughter and from what i, I just read a recent report saying that they have kind of reversed course a little bit my, my whole thought is, is that yeah a lot of the wrestlers don't go by their real names. They go by names picked for them by the WWE. Mm-hmm. WWE owns these names as intellectual properties. So I can kind of see it from a point of, okay, you're using these intellectual, intellectual property that is ours to go out and do your own thing and make your own money. But I also see it from the talent point of view as they're trying to, you know, get out there and, and get over, which it could, it could really work in WWE's favor because WWE could say, okay, that's fine. You can go out and use, the names that we give you, but we want so much, you know, profit, whatever you right. make. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. And that's the, been the consistent thing that's stuck in people's craw about the way WWE operates is they treat all their employees as independent contractors, which is, you know, that's a business strategy. That's what they do. But at the same time, you know, you can't control the other, you know, 50% of these people's lives. So, I, I, I well let, let me give let, let me give an I'm sorry let me give an example. Go ahead, like, go ahead. Um, Austin Creed, who who is known as uh, Xavier Woods, right. he has his own YouTube channel channel gaming channel up up down down. Right. Now, he could still continue to do that using his real name, and WWE would have no 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 recall, no right. nothing to go against him because that's his real name. Now, if he's going on as Xavier Woods. Then yeah, they have they have some sort of claim to that, you know. We want a percentage of what you're doing, but if he went on as his real name, then they wouldn't. That's what's kind of that gray area there. Yeah, and that makes sense. I can see why. And and some of the early reports I read was like he didn't want them on it. Period. Like not even under their real name or anything like that. And I and I do know that that I think that was overreported uh, and not accurate as far as what the actual edict was. So, I mean, you can't control what someone does under their own name, but I do definitely 100% get protecting your intellectual property. That That's something that WWE has, you know, put money into, and they've tried to make it work, and 
no one else has a right to go out and, and make a dime off of it. I can't go make Mickey Mouse t-shirts and sell them on the street. You can, but you're going to get arrested for it at some point. So, unless unless you have an agreement with the company where they get a percentage of whatever, of whatever you're trying to sell, if you, you know, if you're trying to, like like, like you said, be be a third party. Exactly. Vendor. My my uh my thought about it is though, if they can if they can make money off of it, I think that's good for everybody. It's more money for the guys that are trying to get themselves over, and it's more exposure, and it's more in. If they can come to an agreement with WWE, it's more money to WWE in a time where they need it. Um, and that that's something that I'm kind of thinking, like, they should promote the hell out of it. That That's kind of the way I look at it. But they've also, we've seen the Z True Long Island story in the past where it's like, oh, yeah, go out and make a name for yourself. And Zack Ryder did all that on YouTube independently of WWE. And then they co-opted it. And then they you know, buried him basically. So I don't, I have a, if, if he'd have went on as Matt Cardona, I think it would have been different. Yeah, probably. But he went on as Zack Ryder, which yeah. was a WWE owned name that they had given him. Right. So they did have some, they did have some, I guess you could say legal right to right. No, and that's, demand a certain. No, you're absolutely right on that part. So <laughs> you have any other thoughts on that? Uh, I, that was, I mean, it wasn't a whole lot that I had, I had to say about it, but it was just kind of a, it was a big story out there for a couple of days and it seems like it's calmed down a little bit. It has. I think, I think honestly, Vince McMahon kind of jumped the gun a little bit on it. Um, it's just another example of the fact that he, he's, he's getting older. He, he needs to let control, let go of the reins a little right. bit. You know, let it go toward because, like I said, Stephanie wasn't really on board with it, and neither was Triple H. They, right. I think they're they're the ones that kind of uh, smoothed it out with him. I guess you could say a little bit, right. maybe even Shane McMahon had a little bit to do with it too. Yeah. So well, and it's you know any exposure is good exposure unless it's you know something awful, and I think that that would be good. I mean, it makes the superstars look hip when they're playing video games with kids, you know, all across the world. Especially right. at a time where they can't be performing in front of them live, so it's I, I I look at it as a good thing, and I I understand you know WWE wants to make their their nickel off of everything, so that I totally understand that. Well, WWE has always been like, and it's more Vince McMahon than anything. It's like you know it, 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 we want it to be ours, you right. know, we want it to be something that we came up with. We, you know, you can't have it on your own. It's, it's got to be ours, and they got to break away from that mentality, right? Right. You know, yep. I absolutely agree. I mean, I think we're, I think we're in lockstep on that one. I'm just, I have more of a roundabout way of saying things sometimes, <laughs> but, but yeah, I think, I think we're absolutely in lockstep on that one. So um, the other, and, and may not be big news to anybody else, but uh, it was big news to us that authors of pain was released. Yeah, that was a, uh, that was a real shocker when I read that I had, I had to look at that twice. I'm like, what, wait a minute, what? Because, Going back and watching NXT now, I'm I'm in the bulk of their the peak of their run, and these guys were good, man. I mean, they were big guys that could move, but they but they were treated as monsters, which they should have been. I mean, they destroyed just about every team, but they you know they they gave a little in, in their matches, but all in all, they were they were huge monsters that that had just had a chemistry and had a it factor that you just don't really see out of big monster tag teams anymore. So 
And to see the way they were treated when they brought to the main roster, I thought they had a good thing going with Seth Rollins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I can't remember which one of them got hurt. I think it was Acom got hurt with a bicep injury. Right. Yeah, that kind of cut, cut the, their momentum a little bit. But go ahead, sorry. Uh, no, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, yeah, I mean, they were, you know, they were, they were awesome in NXT. They were part of the, you know, Dusty Rhodes Memorial Cup. They were in some great matches with uh, DIY and the the Revival. And then they and they had Paul Ellering as their manager, you know. So they reeked of, not reeked of, but they were like the Road Warriors. They were like Demolition. They were just these two big badass guys that came in and wrecked everybody. And because of that, they, they got over the... Yeah. I don't know if it was in the plan, but they got to be more faces. The fans started to cheer for them because because of the way that they were, because they just came in there and they kicked butt and right. they, they they were monster heels the way that, that a heel should be, but it got to the point where people, you just couldn't deny their uh, chemistry and you couldn't, with their, especially with the fans, right. where they just got behind these guys. Right. And then, you know, they, they bring them up to the main roster, and the, I think it was the very first night on the main <laughs> roster. They they dropped Paul Paul Ellerling, which that may have been because he didn't want to travel. I don't know the whole story behind that. And then you know they're they're just the two of them for so long, and then they gain Drake Maverick as a as a manager. And I, I like Drake Maverick. I like his I like his shtick. I think he's hilarious. But to put him with those monster heels and then have storylines where he's pissing his pants doesn't do them any justice. <laughs> Make a lot of sense. No, <laughs> and and like like I said, they're not. I'm not saying either one of those things is a bad thing, but together they don't they don't mix. It's like peanut butter and cyanide, you know. Right. <laughs> I mean, I guess cyanide's not it's good by itself, but. <laughs> <laughs> but but my my point is, you know, those two things are good on their own, but they're not good together. So um, probably there's better analogies, but that was the only thing I could think of at the moment. So. No, I mean, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, the, as, as separate acts, they were good, and I like Drake Maverick too. I think he's a very, he's a very funny guy and very yeah. uh, charismatic, and really got over with the fans Definitely. during the whole. Uh, I guess it was the crown the cruiserweight champion on NXT. Yeah, but put him with with AOP. He just, yeah, it didn't make a lot of sense yeah. at all. It didn't. Well, you know, and a lot of times I'll I'll bang on WWE and AEW for stupid comedy, but. The twenty four seven with him with Drake Maverick and Truth was fantastic. It was so funny oh, every yeah. week. I was looking forward to seeing how our Truth was going to ruin Drake Maverick consummating his marriage and you know all the other things that that happened in it. And the fact that they filmed that at his real wedding was just hysterical to me. And um, well, our, our, and, and our Truth is such get on on to our Truth there. I mean, that's a good segue into yeah. that. He is such he is such a good performer and is such. A funny guy, man. You know, a funny character. He's the one that makes that twenty four seven title worth watching, just because he dedicates himself to. He made it oh, work. Definitely. That was that was my impression. Like right out of the gate, like they do not need another title, and especially one with a stupid gimmick. But now it's like I, I look forward to seeing just the crazy, stupid stuff that our truth does, and he just you, he commits to that goofy character a hundred percent, and it's it's fantastic. I mean, he's the you can make Brock Lesnar laugh. Yeah. I mean, legitimate <laughs> laugh on TV to the fact where he wants to work with you again. I mean, that's yeah. 
That's a good. He did. He wanted to work. He wanted to work yeah. a program with our. He's the. What is it? The Seven Eleven I sixty five twenty four seven champion. <laughs> yeah, was, I don't know. It was some. It was changing. It was changing every. Yeah. <laughs> so it's. Not the, yeah, the four sixty five. Yeah. I think he's got a shirt out with that yeah, on okay. it too, which is just that's, that brings it to another level. I mean, the man is he's he's comedically gifted, and it's amazing that I'm, I'm glad that the, that it's got over with Vince and the other people that make those decisions because it definitely needs to be on the show every week because you know you need that good comedy. There's so much. Well, even even on, on even on a Raw Talk episode, he was on there with. Uh, with Shayna Baszler, and he made her laugh. I mean, she had to put her head down to keep from yeah. laughing because he said something about uh, she said something about the catering. He's like, "Oh, it must have been the fish. You must not have the tartar sauce with it." And I can't. She almost Yeah, I mean, Ron Killings is just oh, he's fantastic. And you know, I've heard. Uh, I hadn't. I can't pretend that I watched the uh, TNA weekly pay per views, but I heard he cut some killer promos when in like serious ones when he was a singles wrestler there and with three live crew that what like people still talk about it because he just, it was cutting edge. Like he was going in on the history of racism and wrestling and all kinds of things like that. And he's, he can, he can do anything that is put on the table for him and he'll commit himself a hundred percent to it. But like I said, I'm glad that he's doing the comedy because it really, it makes me laugh. So I, I'm happy about that. And when it when it's good comedy, it's great for everybody. It, it's just they they try too hard a lot of times. And you know, there's a difference between our truth being hilarious and Drake Maverick contrivedly pissing his pants because he's scared of somebody. Right. <laughs> and 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 to go back to the tag teams, man, I, I I get the sense that Vince, if he doesn't see either one of the people in the tag team as a potential single star, I feel like he's not interested in keeping them around. Uh, you look at the Ascension, you look at the Revival, uh, and I'm sure there's any other number of tag teams that you can that you can pick out of a hat. And Vince, if he I, doesn't see a single star out of the group, then he's he's not going to waste his time booking them as a tag team. And maybe maybe that's just my my way of looking at it. I know the Revival were told that 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 you know they're not going to be able to get up the card as tag team wrestlers. So I, I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I don't know why he uh, doesn't like tag team wrestling. He doesn't seem to be a fan of tag team wrestling at all. It's like he just wants to wants to do the single stars thing, and you can't, you know. There, there are great tag teams together for a reason, like the whole Iconics. I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not agreement with breaking them up. No, no, he's a huge fan of Peyton Royce, and that Billy Kay is going to get left behind. But to me, they're. They're one and the same. They're they're not any different. Yeah, they're they're a package deal. And I mean, you're not you struck lightning once with Shawn Michaels turning on Marty Jannetty, and you found the you know one of the greatest singles wrestlers of all time. But that's not going to happen every time you turn somebody on their partner, and and you can't expect that. And these guys travel the roads together as as a tag team before they come to WWE, and then you expect them to try to figure out how to do these things on, on their own after they've bounced ideas off each other for so long it, it's not it's not a recipe for success and and to me a good a good wrestling show should have you know good men, men's wrestling good women's wrestling and then great tag team wrestling tag team wrestling is fantastic when it's done right 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's it's disappointing and it's disheartening because it just feels like, other than I mean, I'll give the Street Profits credit. They've they've seemed to been kept together and you know like the new day. So maybe maybe the corner's turning a little bit, but I I just feel like it's if he can't a tag team is what he does when he doesn't have something to do with two single stars like Nakamura and Sheamus or I'm sorry Cesaro and they're doing great together and they they look like a legitimate tag team but those two were brought in as single stars and that that's just my concern going forward is is this what we're going to keep seeing where they get these tag teams that are I mean we don't know what's going to happen with the Viking Raiders obviously but they get these great tag teams in and then if they don't have potential to be a single star, they're they're kicked to the curb. Right, and like like you said, tag team wrestling has got to matter just as well. You know that's why they have tag team championships. That's why they have tag team tournaments because they do matter. You know it, it matters when when two when two guys have great chemistry together and, and can and can roll the roof together. There's room at the top for everybody. Yeah. So and and a good a good wrestling match. I mean, a good show, as I said, should have everything and. And it doesn't matter what kind of match it is, as long as it's done well, it's it'll sell. People will buy tickets to see this act. And I mean the the Andersons, you know, Ole and Arn, or or the Brainbusters with Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard, you know that they were they sold out, helped sell out stadiums. You know whether they were associated with Ric Flair or not, you know they drew money in in a time where there wasn't a national TV contract. So. I just I feel like they're they're doing themselves a disservice by not pushing tag team wrestling. So that that's my I'll get off my soapbox now. Sorry. <laughs> oh, you're fine. <laughs> so, do you have any other thoughts about AOP or anything else before you want to move on to um, talking a little AEW tonight? No, um, I just hope that you know eventually. I mean, they they could be brought back, and I hope that they are because like they have the potential to be one of the great tag teams, one of the great monster tag teams, because these two guys were big, but they could move and they could sell. And it's just a shame that just all of a sudden they were released, but I hope they do kind of find their way back. And if nothing else, maybe, maybe even go back to NXT because that seems to be NXT just seems to know what to do with, you know, with their stars, especially uh, now we're on a second reign of Finn Balor as the NXT champion. Yeah, definitely. Him and, Cole really put in a good match tonight. That was, uh, you know, there's times where I'll catch myself looking at my phone or something when, when wrestling's on, but that was one that really captured my attention. And uh, I credit to those two, not just for catching my attention, but for putting on a, you know, compelling match that had a lot of cool spots. And uh, it was just a really good story from beginning to end. So, all right. Uh, so, I, like I said, I hope I hope to see a good rating for NXT again for tonight uh they did really well last week uh AEW did really well last week and it seems like maybe head-to-head isn't the best thing for everybody um but we'll see what happens um with those with those things um so moving on um basically to give just a quick rundown um all out was uh, AEW's pay-per-view they run their pay-per-views on Saturday nights which is kind of is different from what WWE does uh, AEW is All Elite Wrestling. It's about two years old, uh, founded by Shad Khan and uh, his son, Tony. The, the owner of the Jaguars is Shad Khan, um, and his son, Tony, is the president of AEW. Uh, they're the financial backers for it. And then it's vice presidents are Cody Rhodes, 
uh, Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. And basically, it's kind of a throwback, but they have a lot of the quote-unquote flippy shit wrestling. And they, they do a lot of different things on their shows. And they're growing as a company. And this being, you know, a handful of pay-per-views for them, this may have been their weakest one, to be honest. I would still look at maybe like a 6.5 range. But uh, for the show overall, and we're going to go through the card here, but for the show overall, it was about a 6.5. And there's some things that really bothered me that we'll, we'll get to. And there were some things that I thought were really cool. And we'll get to those too. But uh, I was I was able to watch highlights. I, I wasn't able to watch the full pay-per-view like you were, uh-huh. but I was able to watch highlights right. and read about it. So I'm going to be able – I will be able to follow along with everything you're talking about. Yes, yeah, so. definitely. And, 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 yeah, I talked about doing this as a solo episode, but I think it would be better for everybody if uh, – if Jesse's along for the ride, because he does have more wrestling knowledge than I, uh, a lot of times, I mean, he's been guessing stuff right all the time. Uh, I have, I won't spoil raw for him yet. Cause I don't think he watched it yet, but you got another thing, right? So I'll put another sticker on the calendar. So, well, tomorrow night when we talk about uh, <laughs> the important thing, we can do the first dedicate, maybe the first 10 minutes to talking about current news for what's been happening on raw and smack. It'll be so. the Jesse was right segment. <laughs> <laughs> so, the first match on All Out was a tooth and nail match. It was the it was a cinematic match for All Elite, and part of that was because I don't know if Dr. Britt Baker was actually cleared yet to be in a ring. So it was between her and Big Swole, who is uh, Cedric Alexander's wife. Uh, she's a, a great talent in, all, in, in of herself. And then um, uh, they had a tooth and nail match. It was in Dr. Britt Baker's dental practice because she's an actual dentist. And it was, as I said, cinematic. It, I, I didn't really care for it. it was, there was a lot of goofy stuff. Like Britt had a bunch of uh, chattering teeth in a in a cupboard, and it was it was trying too hard to be creepy. It was kind of kind of reminded me of the match between Orton and Bray Wyatt, where they were like, "Oh, look at these dolls hanging upside down in this creepy house." Right, and it, <laughs> and it, it just it 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 reeked of trying too hard. And I, I was glad to see Brett back in action, but I don't think that did anybody any good. Uh, it, it ended when Swole used a gas mask to knock Brett out in a chair and pen. So, like I said, it wasn't it wasn't anything that to write home about, and it wasn't like the kind of opener that I would like to see on a pay per view to set the tone for the night. Uh, nothing against the women, but that that just didn't didn't do it for me. Yeah, from what, from what I read, it was like it probably shouldn't have, it shouldn't have went on first. It maybe should have been something that they put on later between two good matches to give people a chance to breathe um, instead of doing it, you know, like you said, first match. Because like we always talk about, the first match sets the tone for the evening. And if your first match is a stinker, then, you know, I have flashbacks to WrestleMania 28 when Sheamus defeated Bane O'Brien in 18 seconds. Yeah, I'm sorry. When that happened, that took me out of the event yeah. for like the first hour. Of yeah, it. we watched that. On the <laughs> we watched that together, and it was just like the wind went out of both of our sails. It was like, okay, <laughs> what was that? Yeah. Like, you can do that on Raw. Don't do that on WrestleMania. And you know, don't, don't, yeah. don't do that anytime because it's, it's going to kill your audience there that's there live. Um, and it did. I mean, yeah. the, if you noticed for a couple matches after that, people just weren't making the noise that you thought they should because of the way that first match went down. It's like yeah. people respected Daniel Bryan. They didn't want to see him lose in 18 seconds like that. Yeah. So, Yep, and, then, and he was starting to get over with the yes movement. Well, it wasn't the yes movement then, but it was the yes 
he was doing the yes chance and and people didn't want to see him get put down like that so quickly and it was unfortunate and then it led to a pretty good rematch at extreme rules but uh it was just disappointing in that time that that daniel bryan got squashed so fast but yeah and it's and it's just the you know the whole point we're trying to make is that you know your first match sets the tone for the evening right and if your first match disappoints or doesn't live up to the hype or is just a complete squash that people are looking for you know it just it, right it, it, it's hard to come back from that well right and, that, and this one's not even live in front of the audience so they're not even participating in it at all and that's that's you know it's an audience participation inter- entertainment and to not have the audience there as we've talked about with covid i mean they they're at 10% or 15% now for their tickets for uh, all out or all elite wrestling but um to have a cinematic match lead off the thing just sets a weird tone for the entire night and i think that's that's part of what casts the pall over the rest of the show so um but but I'm not going to linger on that anymore. Uh, we'll move on. The Young Bucks uh, defeated Jurassic Express, which is Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy, who is Luke Perry's son, Jack Perry. And uh, Marco Stunt was on was cornering them in that match. Um, it was it was pretty good. There was a lot of flippy flippy stuff, and the Bucks were trying to show that they were more aggressive. They were angry because of things that are going on within the elite. And uh, they had a different fire than they've had since All Elite has started. And uh, Luchasaurus is uh, fun to watch for a big guy. He, he does a lot of different things that you don't normally see out of a big guy. And I, I think Jungle Boy is going to be the star of All Elite at some point in the future here. Um, he and MJF tore it up at the last pay-per-view. And this was, this was another good showing from him, even though he took the pinfall loss. He, uh, he really showed out. So um, <clears throat> it wasn't, uh, like I said, this probably is the match that should have started the show um, in, in hindsight, but it's easier for me to sit here and say it on a podcast than for it to book an actual show. So uh, did you no, have I mean, any... you're not, the first, you're, you're not the first one to say that. I mean, a lot of people have said that, you know, this, this was, should have been the one to set the tone for the evening. Right. Um, because it was it was fast paced, it was you know high action like like you'd expect with the young bucks. So right. you know they they're always good for to, to you know to open the show to to get the crowd into it. So yep, and the you know that crowd is really into their gimmick and their you know their and everything about them. And I think that would have been better to start off the show with. And like you said, use the cinematic match to give someone a breather later on, and or to give the audience a breather before you go into your main event. But it, it, it is what it is, and, you know, that was a good match for the Young Bucks. And, like I said, Jurassic, Jurassic Express didn't look bad in it, so it, it didn't really hurt them any. Uh, I think they'll be challenging for, for a while still as in the tag team division. Uh, from there, we moved on to the Casino Battle Royal. Um, it, was a, it was a mixed bag of all kinds of weird stuff. Uh, it was won by Lance Archer, who I believe was Vance Archer in WWE. If I'm not mistaken, yeah, and... he was a, yeah, I think he was that's Archer, <coughs> and he's he's actually so he's cornered by Jake the Snake Roberts, so he's his manager, and Jake got a little involved with the battle royal, but and he had the most eliminations, which isn't something that you see normally, like with WWE's booking of battle royals, like they'll be like this person won, but Roman Reigns had eleven eliminations, 
Lance Archer actually had the most eliminations in the match, and he won the match. And uh, he had a good showdown with Cage, Brian Cage, with, uh, you know, powerhouse against powerhouse. It was pretty interesting. And they they kind of built that up as the, the biggest part of the match. Um, but there was a lot of other things that happened, too. Um, my fi- Well, I know I know a big moment that people have talked about was uh, the botch by Matt Seidel, formerly known as Evan Bourne in WWE. I watched that, and it was – that was pretty terrifying to see. I mean, he could have yeah. really hurt himself. Yeah, he was lucky he landed on his back and not his neck. Uh, so basically what Matt Seidel did, he made his debut uh, as the Joker. So nobody knew who it was going to be. It was, a de- it, was, it was a mystery. He came in and immediately tried to do a shooting star press from the top rope. And you can watch, I mean, the video is all over YouTube, but you can watch. He basically loses his footing and just falls flat to the mat on his back. And like I said, if it was a little bit, you know, more towards his head, he probably would have been hurt very badly. And uh, I'm glad that he's okay, but that that's not going to be set a good precedent for his tenure in AEW. I don't think uh, that's we've talked about guys like Sin Cara and things like that where they've they've botched and it it's really hurt them in the long run. I mean, and Matt's a Matt Seidel's a pro. I mean, I'm, I hope that he can come back from that. But it, it'll just take time. And, and Well, it's just scared to think that if he had got just a little bit more torque on that shooting star press for a couple more inches, man, he really could have, like, landed on his head and done some serious damage. I mean. Yeah. No, no, most definitely. And and, and if that was a theme that, that we'll get to, especially with the next match. But but there was a couple of incidents that where there was real-life peril that kind of took me out of my enjoyment of pro wrestling. And that was the that was the first one because that was just a nasty botch. And then um, before I'd move on to the next match, uh, the the one cool spot that I thought was awesome, I mean, and it was t- definitely dangerous, was um, Brian Cage put uh, Darby Allen in a body bag that was filled with thumbtacks and then power bombed him onto the ramp. It was the weirdest thing. Like it's something I've never seen before, and it was a. Uh, you know, Darby's kind of a daredevil. He's a skateboarder. He does a lot of different, like, acrobatic stuff. And that was just – that had to have been nasty. Been nasty. But um, – and, you know, hopefully he's okay. But but it was – you know, anything that was cool about that was taken away when Matt Seidel fell on you know, could have hurt himself very badly. So, um, any other thoughts on that, Jesse? Yeah. <laughs> No, um, we, we, no, we can go ahead and move on to the next match. Okay, so the next match was a Broken Rules match between Matt Hardy and Sammy Guevara. Uh, broken Rules was essentially the same thing as a last man standing match, was what they were saying as the as the match started. And it was a really unfortunate that, that the way they decided to book this match because they were backstage at the Jaguar Stadium where they had they had held the stadium stampede. Sammy Guevara and Matt Hardy wrestled and fought each other on top of a uh, boom lift. And they were up. Matt Hardy raised the platform and was going to try to throw Sammy off of it through a table. And Sammy turned the tables on him and ran and speared him off of the, the platform. And they literally, Sammy hit most of the table, but Matt hit his head straight on the concrete. And it was the scariest thing I've ever seen. Um, they're throwing up the X symbol because you know, <clears throat> legitimately hurt. And the fact that they, I, I, I just want to say this about it 
if you just give me give me a minute here. Um, yeah, go ahead. To me, it was a disaster. I mean, this is now twice that they have had issues with going too far with head stuff. The first was the Cody chair shot that they lied about in their statements, and then stated mm. it was not the best idea. I've heard a lot of the comebacks from the AEW faithful. One thing you must do if you're going to be loyal to a company is call them out when they are wrong. Be consistent. You know, right. you, you can't use late 1990s mankind off a of cell as your cover for this spot. The world is different now. More about head injuries and their lasting impact. If that Hell in a Cell match was in 2020, there's a probably 0% chance Mick is taking any of those spots. Well, he probably would, but I doubt WWE would let him do it. Um, But Hardy also doesn't get the choice. Hardy doesn't get the choice to continue the match. That excuse is total BS. It's the company's job to keep Hardy's will and desire to continue from causing himself, you know, a more serious injury. End of story end of match deal with the storyline after it's like you know fans are in the adult demo they will understand people will understand the shift in the story because a guy almost died it'll be okay but the way they have gone about trying to justify letting him go is a sign that maybe this company isn't truly prepared to be a big time company because they're going to be handling a pr nightmare and adding to it talent who consider aew over time they're going to look at moments like this uh, you simply cannot let that match go you got to be better on all fronts if you truly want to compete. And talent safety is a big time issue that you know you just can't ignore. Yeah, I I actually I I agree with that. Um, I I am an AEW fan, and it was very disappointing to to see them. You know, they throw up the X, they they ring the bell to stop the match. He pops in to see the doctor, and then pops back out. I I'm ninety percent sure a concussion protocol is a lot longer than that. And even his wife, Ruby Sky, was like, was terrified. I mean, you know, he, yeah. he's got three kids. The thing about it is, Matt Hardy's not a spring chicken anymore. He's no, in he's his, in his 40s. He's yeah. in his 40s, and you just can't bounce back from something like that. Now, maybe if he's in his 20s, he, but, but even then, I mean, when you hit your head on concrete, like we know more about head injuries now. Right. Like, if, man, if we would have saw mankind thrown off that cell in 98, knowing what we know about head injuries now, that match right. probably would not have continued. No, and and to be to be quite frank, I think you know if you're comparing the two, you look at WWE when they do things like that, it is highly choreographed, and they don't take chances. They don't have a single table on concrete to break someone's fall. That was on them in the planning of it, and it was an absolute abject failure. That's. They have to be better. They have to be accountable, as you said. They have to be accountable for the things that they've done. I'm glad, you know. It's I'm. I hope Matt Hardy went and bought a lottery ticket on his way home because he didn't have a concussion and, be, and because he didn't break his skull open on the concrete floor. That that concerns me. That they they are not trying to be accountable for it and almost I, I wouldn't say flip about it, but they want to be this progressive, you know, the next level wrestling, you know better than anyone that's ever came before but they're they're getting stuck and mired in these stupid things that if they just took accountability and apologized and did the right thing the first time they're not they're not having to deal with the backlash of it and and that's been a consistent thing and even with like their heel program um you know the, the backlash to that they they handled that completely terribly and, and I'm not I'm not taking the side of a person that used racial slurs against Brandy Rhodes, but their their the rollout of that program, even, you know, an attempt to be 
progressive and to help, you know, uh, the women that feel disaffected by a wrestling community, they totally bungled it and put it behind a paywall. And it was a big turnoff. And I think as a company, you have to do better. And, and I understand that they're young and I understand that they're learning, but that doesn't give you an excuse. If you want to be big time, you have to be big time. And I, I 100% agree with your what you had uh, said there. Uh, you were absolutely right. So, well, but, and, and think thing about it is, it's like you know, <clears throat> W does use the padding and stuff, and we all know they they do. But they're but they're protecting the talent because of, we don't want to watch a wrestling show and we don't want another Owen Hart thing where a guy's died on the show because of of reckless endangerment. Right. And you know, with with the whole thing is they probably they probably shouldn't have even continued the match the way that they did with them climbing up the scaffolding thing with Matt Hardy in the shape that he was in. It's like, that just could have ended so very badly. Yeah, that... and, and this is not a criticism on AEW. Like, I don't like AEW. It's a criticism of, you know, the, if they, if they want to compete, they just, they have to get better. They need to get better and work out these little kinks that they have. Yeah, I agree. And like I said, it's for a company to succeed and for a company to be hi- highly regarded, they have to be accountable. And, we see a lot of times where companies get away with not being accountable, but at, for me, for me as a fan, it's something that I want to see. I want to see them, you know, protect their performers and hold themselves accountable. I don't need to see a guy fall on concrete. That doesn't, that doesn't add anything to me. That doesn't make me want to buy the next pay-per-view because I don't want to see somebody die. I don't want to watch that with my son and, and see a guy's head get cracked open. Right. So I'm fine if they have padding, protect your performers. You know, it's like they don't actually throw Tom Cruise out of an airplane when he's filming. Well, kind of. But when he's filming Mission <laughs> Impossible, <laughs> they don't throw him out of an airplane for real. It's, you know, and and that's just <clears throat> I'm trying to break the, the mood here with humor, but it's it, it was very unsettling. It, it took me out of the rest of the show. And as you said, watching him climb that 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 platform, I was like, why would why on earth would you do this? You have three kids. You don't need to do this to help anybody else out. It's just, it's stupid. And they should have not let him do anything after the initial fall. That should have been the end of it. But um, but we'll get off both of our soapboxes here. <laughs> right. We'll move on because uh, we got about 15 minutes left here. So we'll move on uh, to something that I thought was great was uh, Hikaru Shida and Thunder Rosa. Uh, Thunder Rosa is the NWA world women's champion and Hikaru Shida is the AEW women's champion and uh, Thunder Rosa came over to challenge for that title and it was a fantastic match they have contrasting styles Thunder Rosa is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu type wrestler and Shida's a striker and it was kind of akin to a MMA match uh, and it was interesting and and there was a lot of back and forth and Sheeta got the W, and like I said, I think it was the best match on the show, but unfortunately what happened before really stained what happens after, what happens for the rest of the card, because it's like, okay, you know, I don't want to see anybody get hurt, and, but, but that was easily the best match on the show. Did you, did you see any of that, Jesse? Yeah, I did. Um, like, like you said, that, that last match kind of, kind of hurt, but also what kind of hurt it was the fact that you know, Thunder Rosa came in. She's not under an AEW contract, and she was going for the AEW women's women's title. So I don't think there's any doubt that Sheeta was going to win this match. So 
I yeah. think it kind of takes takes it out a little bit that you you knew. I mean, I guess it all depends on the performance, though. It ain't only yeah. about who wins or loses. It's how they it's how they get through the match. How how they get from that point A to to point B. Yeah, definitely. And uh, the next the next match on the card, I'm gonna try to run through so we can get to the last two here or the last three. Uh, the eight man tag was won by Scorpio Sky. Dustin Rhodes, QT Marshall, and Matt Cardona. That was it. Was actually a great match, and I, I would recommend Scorpio Sky to people that haven't seen him before. Fantastic athletic worker. He's kind of like a younger AJ Styles, um, and I, I've seen him do running flips over the ropes with one shoe on, and all kinds of crazy stuff already. And he's just getting started. He's a young guy, part of the uh, SCU with Christopher Daniels and Kaz, and uh, I think the sky's the limit for him. And uh, Dustin continues to have a career revival like none I've ever seen before. Um, he's going to be challenging for the TNT title this Wednesday on Dynamite, actually, because he got the pinfall over Brody Lee, who is the TNT cha- champion. Um, moving on, uh, FTR with their manager, Tully Blanchard, defeated uh, Kenny Omega and Hangman Page for the AEW tag team titles. Uh, it was a, a up-and-down match. Um, I, I really like the Revival, or I'm sorry, FTR is what they're known now. Formerly the Revival from WWE, using a lot of old school uh, wrestling tag team finishers. Uh, they used the Steiner Brothers uh, Bulldog. They used, I want to say the Doomsday Device. And, and then their new finisher is a Spike Pile Driver that they wanted to do in WWE, but were not allowed because of Pile Driver Band. Uh, and then Kenny Omega and hangman page are singles wrestlers which uh <clears throat> they've had pretty good chemistry as a tag team but that's the storyline was that ftr was manipulating hangman to break them apart and it bore out in this match uh there was a lot of miscommunications and and kenny didn't trust hangman and hangman ended up getting spike pile drove twice and then pinned um I, I said if that matt hardy thing hadn't happened in the middle maybe i have a better opinion of this match but um it, it just like I said, that kind of poisoned the well for me. And um, did you see any of that? Any highlights from that match, Jesse? Yeah, it, it, yeah, I thought it looked um, pretty good. I mean, it went for almost thirty minutes. Mm-hmm. That might have maybe went a little bit too long. I think maybe um, from the highlights I saw, maybe if they had trimmed off five minutes, it would have helped it a little bit more. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes when you go that long in a match, you can really kind of take the fans out of a little bit yeah it's kind of like when you have a report in school and you don't really know you don't have enough time to fill up so you just start using words and (laughs) that are longer so you have more you know take up more time it's kind of like that i feel like there's a lot more stalling when when you when they're given too much time i'd I'd rather i would rather have a you know a good short concise match that has a good beginning middle and end to it than have one that drags out unnecessarily um, that's just the way that I prefer it to be booked. I know, you know, people have different opinions on everything. So, uh, but I, like I said, it, it probably, if I go back and watch it later on down the road, I'll probably like it better than I did when I initially watched it, but, uh, it didn't really capture me a whole lot. The, the drama with, you know, the elite it is just kind of, it's not hitting me where, where I guess it's supposed to be. And, um, I, I'm not, wasn't fully invested in that. I'll be interested to see FTR and the young bucks later on down the line but i don't know if they're i i imagine they're going to try to hold on as long as they can <clears throat> maybe AEW too i mean speaking of them being a young company they need to stop 
to me, they need to stop relying on so much talent that came from WWE because now you got FTR as the new AEW Tag Team Champions. You got, yeah. I mean, almost every title that's been held has been held by somebody formerly in the WWE. You know, give it to somebody who has never been in WWE. You know, let 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 them run run with the ball a little bit. I think that's part of what's hurting AEW a little bit. Yeah, I, I can see that, and but I can also see, you know, if we go back to the Monday Night Wars, you got guys like, you know, Chris Jericho and Eddie Guerrero and Chris Benoit, and you know, guys that were underutilized in WCW that came over to WWE and became world champions. So I, I think, and to your point, you know, these guys were champions in WWE. Cody was an intercontinental champion. Mox was the world champion. Jericho was a world champion. So it wasn't like they were underserved. But uh, but, uh, but to your point, I think using that ex-WWE talents to elevate the guys that you're bringing in that don't have that exposure is, is a beneficial thing. But you gotta you got to let the guys that don't have exposure get over once in a while. Yeah. So, I, yeah, that, that, that's my whole point in it, yeah. you know, is, is, is that, you know, they, they need to let, you know, some of the guys get over a little bit more because even say things don't work out, WWE may not look at them if they're losing, if they lost so much in AEW and, and didn't get over. Right, right, definitely. And so actually, yeah, that's a good segue because the se- the uh, second to last match on the card, the co-main was uh, Orange Cassidy defeating Chris Jericho in a full metal mimosa mayhem match which was absolutely ridiculous and something that is just... Yeah, I looked, I looked at some of the highlights, and it, it just didn't look like it j- gelled together at all. <laughs> I, I actually enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, Orange Cassidy is a really under undervalued performer. He's, he's so much fun. And, you know, like we talked about with uh, killing uh, R-Truth's uh, comedic timing, Orange Cassidy <laughs> has, that, has that in spades. And um, it, it was a fun match. I, I, it's a weird thing to have him just you know, pole vaulted into a feud with Jericho, but they've actually complimented each other well. And um, it was, like I said, I, you know, Orange Cassidy's going to be one of those things that people are either going to love it or hate it. And, and I can see, I can see both sides of it to be fair, but <coughs> excuse me. I enjoy that. And I enjoy seeing him get the rub over Jericho by knocking him with the Superman punch into the, uh, <laughs> into the mimosa. But, uh, it, you know, it was just it's it's Jericho continuing to try to up the level and up Annie and and continue to be, you know, the guy that you know, is a bridge for other people to get get their opportunities. And um, so that that's all I really had to think about that. Did you have any other thoughts on other than what you said earlier? No, um, I, I guess it, I guess it was more. They were trying trying to just be really really comedic with it, and I guess in some aspects of that, it worked. But right, you know, you don't want to go too far into that comedy. No, either. no, and that's not that's not the type of thing that's usually up my alley. I don't I don't get any jollies from seeing you know Sonny get knocked into pig slop or Vicky Guerrero get knocked into a pool of poop or whatever that was. I think it was pudding. I think it was, was it pudding. Pudding? <laughs> okay. But you know, that does you know that, that doesn't do anything for me. I you know, I don't throw the ball at the clown to get him to get dunked at the carnival. I, it doesn't interest me. But you know, for what it was, I I enjoyed it. Uh, I'm not gonna say it's the greatest match I've ever seen or you know, it it is even the best match on this card, but it was good to see a young talent get over and you know, to get over on a guy like Chris Jericho is is a big deal. And um 
we'll see what happens with with Orange going forward. Uh, he's been he's been very popular uh, with you know just looking at the metrics, but we'll see we'll see what happens with his push. Uh, I don't know what, what the limit is for him, but um, and then finally, and that brings us to uh, John Moxley defeating Maxwell Jacob Freeman. Excuse me, in the main event for the AEW World Title, um, I actually felt that John Moxley probably should have dropped the title in this match. And that's just because I don't, I don't feel like, I don't feel like he's connecting. Maybe not to me. And I like Moxley. I, I have his my, uh, shirt, you know, the former Dean Ambrose. I got his Moxley shirt uh, when it came out, but um, I, and I'm a fan of his, but it's just, it's not clicking for me. And I don't know, I don't know what it is that he's missing, but, but it just seems like, <clears throat> it just seems like he's just keeps, he shows up, beats people up, and leaves, and it's like a discount Stone Cold, and it's just not connecting with me the way that like a MJF, who's a he's a very good, very good at trying to be a heel, um, and coming off as a genuine dick most of the time. That I think he's the guy that you want to see get punched in the face, and maybe Mox is better chasing that title. Right. Uh, I don't know if you have any other thoughts on that, but that was that was my main takeaway. I felt like the wrong guy won. Yeah, I I, I agree. I mean, he's had the title since February, mm-hmm. uh, which is a long time. But, it, you know, there just comes a point. But he's their second champion after Jericho now, right? Yeah, he won it from Jericho. Yep. Yeah, so, so I mean, it's just – Like they, said, they They need to elevate, you know, Ken, Kenny Omega or even um, um, Hangman. So somebody, somebody AEW – Right, who, who who has not been in WWE to, to be that world champion? I think that would help in the spades if they had somebody who was who was the world champion that was a, a homegrown star. Yeah, and I agree with that. I I absolutely agree with that. I think I think that would have been the right moment. Uh, they've kind of plucked MJF out it's of kind of it's kind of like with, with TNA when they made AJ Styles their homegrown champion. You know, that really kind of kind of put them looking back at earlier Impact, which was so good. I mean, I, I loved Impact back in the early two thousands, but. Yeah, and I, I don't I definitely don't want to see you know, I, I will defend them using X WWE talent, but I do not want to see them become a revolving door where, you know, someone shows up ninety days after their contract's over and it's like, Oh look, it's KJ Smiles. You know, I, I don't want to see that every week. I I want them to use the people that they've plucked from being lesser known and plucked from the indies and use them to to build this company. And I, I get the benefit of having X WWE guys on the, on the roster. I'm not going to, but at the same time, like we, we talked about, I'm not going to argue that point. You're absolutely right. They need to elevate someone from their own roster. And right. And like you said, if Moxley would have lost the title, he could have, <laughs> I think it would have been more interesting to see him chasing the title than actually having the title. Yeah, absolutely. And, and like an MJF would sell tickets like nobody's business because you want to see him get punched in the face. Right. He's he's a natural cocky heel and it's you know, he's a young he's a young guy. I mean, he's not he's not reached his peak yet, but it's it, I think that it would have been the right time to do that. And uh, it's unfortunate that they decided to go the way they did, but uh, you know, I it's not my company, so that's that's why I I'm kind of 50-50 on this show as a whole. It's just it just seemed like <clears throat> it just seemed like the entire thing was mis- missing something in my mind. And and then you know you add that to the <clears throat> to the incidents that where people could have been really badly hurt. I mean Matt Seidel when he I, I think he just lost his footing, but 
you know, the Matt Hardy one is inexcusable. And, you know, Matt Seidel probably shouldn't even finish the match that he was in. But, you know, that, that took, took any enjoyment that I had of it out of, you know, it took it out of it. And I, I'll probably watch, I'll keep watching AEW, but I, I absolutely hope they get better. And I will continue to be a critic of them when I think they're wrong. And, and as I've done today, you know, I, I didn't just do this review just to praise them and blow smoke up their ass. You know, I'm going to tell you when you're wrong. And they were absolutely wrong on a lot of things on this show. And, and it seems to be a consensus across the, the World Wide Web that they totally screwed up. And I hope that they just correct the course. So, yeah, I, I think I think, too, I've heard a criticism that maybe the show was it was almost four hours. And I, and I think this is just all wrestling. This is not just for AEW, but I think them going, you know, four to, to five hours on pay-per-views, it's just not needed. I think a good two and a half, three hours, you could you could tell tell your story. You could have your matches and tell your stories if it was a little bit more trimmed down. Sometimes, you know, less is more. Yeah, and, absolutely. And, and WWE's been, like, in the past, when they've had five hour <coughs> WrestleManias, it's like, after the after the fourth hour, you're just kind of like, man, this this needs to end already. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm tired. <laughs> Four hours is a long time to do anything, uh, and that's... not including the two hour pre show before that. So yeah, yeah, and that's you got to learn to, you know, there is such, such a thing as too much of a good thing, and sometimes you know people don't make it onto the main card. Sometimes they're going to have to wait until Dynamite to have their match, but that's part of it part of it and that makes you want to elevate yourself as a performer and i think that if you're just putting everybody on the card then there's no there's no incentive to get better and to get better as an entire company so i I absolutely agree with that they they really need to learn to bottle the edge a little bit so we got a couple minutes left here jesse uh just just with parting thoughts we'll uh we'll be talking about randy orton tomorrow night so I'm, i'm i'm looking forward to that one i hope you are too Oh yeah, I I appreciate you coming along my uh, AEW journey with me. I definitely want to try to get you know more content in here, but we're definitely still more of a WWE show, to be fair. So um, subscribe us, follow us on Facebook. Jesse, you have any more parting thoughts for the night? Uh, no, I'm good to go. I'm just ready to hit the bed. So, <laughs> all right, buddy. Well, that's our that's our go home call. We're gonna tag out, and uh, we'll see you all tomorrow night. Thanks for joining us, everybody. (laughs) Bye.